0: You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 17.
1: You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives.
2: You know, in nature, only a
0: handful of creatures made for life.
1: But isn't that like cheating?
0: We can't do this 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.
1: Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast, dating and relationship advice by Kingsters for Kingsters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now, your hosts, Cassie and Rigel.
0: Hey guys, we got another Q&A episode for you today, and we have a lot of sex-focused questions today what to do when your girlfriend bleeds when you're having sex, what to do when your boyfriend, your, your husband rather, tells you that your vagina is uncomfortable, and a whole bunch of questions about condoms, including uh, how to use them for giving oral sex to a female, what to do when a condom breaks while face-fucking somebody, and if not, using condoms with a new partner when you told your husband you would is cheating. We do mention a bunch of links and resources in this episode, so go check that out in the show notes at atouchaflavor.com forward slash 017. And make sure you check out the end of the show for our announcement of a kinky, sex-positive New Year's Eve party that we're hosting in the Baltimore area. Here we go.
2: So the other day, we had a gentleman come to our house to fix... The uh, the heater, I still don't know what's wrong with it.
0: By the way, I got to tell you, man, you guys need to get a home warranty. Like if you don't have one and you own a house and these four people, because we have this this duplex that we own, right? And so we've got three HVAC units. We've got three water heaters. We've got three. I would, if they weren't an insurance company, I would almost feel sorry for them. They have paid, so, they've lost so much money fixing our appliances when they've broken it's insane. I have well, no idea appliances. how they renewed. Yes, they small kitchen appliances. I have no idea how they renewed our contract. <laughs> like, they must not be doing the math somewhere.
2: Yeah. So we've had lots of fixes through the home warranty. So we love you home warranty people that we've screwed over so bad over the years. But anyway, they came out to fix the heater. And before the guy was coming over, and so... You were talking about how we have several heaters, and we have one that is actually just for our bedroom. and it is located in our bedroom closet
0: and it is way overpowered, which is another issue entirely. But go ahead, it's
2: like a jet engine. So I was like, I'm gonna clean up everything or as much as I can because we have like a cross and a spanking bench and a thirteen foot long bed. So there's only so much we really can do. But I wanted to at least get the sex toy bags closed up and we have a bag full of dongs that was just kind of open. So I went in to clean up all that stuff and I got distracted. I had a distraction from the cat getting in the room and chasing him back out and all kinds of stuff. And then the guy got here and I completely forgot that I had not yet closed the dong bag. So I invite him in, and he walks behind me, and I get to the doorway, which I can then see the bag, and I'm like, no, do not come in. And I close the door behind me, and I go and, t- and close the bag, and then I try turning off the one light that highlights the cross in the corner, but then I ended up turning off the other light, so it got all dark in there, and our heater is actually behind our bedroom door, so you have to go in and then close the door behind you. So this poor guy like walks in and I'm like, okay, now back up. And I close the door behind him and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I seem like a creeper because I've done turn the lights off and I can't figure out the light switches. So all the lights are off and the sex toy bag is now closed. But you can see that there's all these bags that have been like closed up and shoved over into the corner and he's just standing there and he's like, where's the heater? And I'm like, it's in there. So I could tell he was freaked out like the whole time and I finally bring it up to him. I apologized for being odd and he told me that he thought I was going to kill him, that I was going to rape him and kill him. And so I've never been told in a non-scene sense that someone thought that I was going to rape them and kill them. But I really do think that he was being sincere when he said that. But then it ended up sparking this whole really cool conversation because he was like, I noticed the sex toy bags and stuff and the uh, cross that he had actually kind of um, introduced kink to his girlfriend a few years ago. And we got into a conversation and I think he's like now our new favorite HVAC guy. And
0: I think we're definitely his new favorite customers. He just <laughs> yeah. hangs out once he's done fixing stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that happened over the last little bit here. How and
0: serious was he?
2: Uh, he was terrified. I could tell, and that's why I felt the need to apologize, but I wasn't really sure how to apologize for seeming like a serial killer who was inviting someone into my room, aside for being like, I'm sorry, I seem like I was going to kill you. Really, I just was trying to respect you by not having my bag of sex toys just hanging out, and um, sorry.
0: Well, to be fair, you did have, so our current partner, Amanda our current primary partner. Uh, The first time you had her over here, (laughs) didn't it look like Dexter's (laughs) Laboratory? Yeah. I'm going to have to dig up a picture because we had just talked about, you know, we had a duplex. So we were renovating the other side of the house and we had, um, so we had our bedroom at the time wasn't finished. So we had the bedroom, didn't have a floor. So like it was all just like wooden flooring. And then we had taken all the doors out of the other side of the house and put them in this room standing up. They were all blocks. They were standing up because we were painting them with like a spray gun. And then we had to tarp all the walls off. So you got this just tarped off room where all the walls are. It's like, look like something out of Dexter.
2: With doors. So I take it back. Actually, I seemed like a serial killer before. Yeah,
0: because, that's what I was thinking.
2: Yeah, so I take that back. I did seem like a serial killer once before. Yeah, because she came over to pick me up for us to go out to do something. And I brought her into the room. and. This whole sort of situation happened that just didn't look very good to begin with. So she followed me in. You had fallen asleep and you had a pocket knife on you. So I had pulled the pocket knife out of your pocket because you'd fall asleep with it to stick it in the room. And it was the one that unlatches. So it had unlatched and was wide open. So that happened and I was getting dressed. So I was in my underwear in the room of doors that was just...
0: Dexter tarped.
2: Dexter tarp
0: With an open pocket knife. With an
2: open pocket knife in my underwear. <laughs> so that was one of the first times our girlfriend uh, came over to get me.
0: And didn't you have another ex-girlfriend that you went to pick up with a shovel and trash bags in the back of your car?
2: That was an ex-girlfriend. And that sounds much worse than it is. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Maybe I'm not making this whole case for their only big Yeah, butt. That's what
0: I'm wondering. I'm like, really? Because I'm pretty sure I know of more.
2: So, yes, I did go pick up one of my ex girlfriends with bags and shovel in the back. And I now feel like I need to explain myself because that sounds you really You were gardening
0: bad. and she called you to pick her up.
2: Yes, that was the exploration. But
0: I'm just saying, this seems like an ongoing trend with you.
2: Yeah. I don't know what else to say about that. Except for yeah, maybe maybe it is. But I'm not trying to be a serial killer. Aside for when I'm scening. When I'm scening, that's perfectly fine. But outside of scening, it's not intentional. It just happens.
0: So we got some questions today. Yeah. And we've got a lot of sex-related questions today. And a lot of questions about condoms in yeah. different different aspects. So we're going to start off with a question that was called into our voicemail line.
1: Please leave your message after the tone. Hi, I'm a 32-year-old in Pennsylvania, and I'm calling because my father-in-law recently came out to us, including his son, as trans. And I'm wondering if you have any advice as to how to approach the topic with our children. Um, Our children are 11 and 5, and um, he is now a she, and we're looking for any insight on how to approach this conversation with our children, Um, because we know it's a touchy subject and we want to make sure that um, we don't scar them for life when we decide to sit down and talk with them. Any advice would be helpful. Thank you. So
2: I think the big thing is, is to realize that kids are really, really adaptable. Like they adapt to things much easier than adults do who have sort of ideas of what things should and shouldn't be.
0: We've had kids in our household, almost to a certain extent, anywhere from like, what like a year and a half to maybe sixteen. And thing we've always found is that kids are way more adaptable than adults in a lot of ways. I, I think there's you know two things that that are going to make it a little more difficult. One of which is this is it's not a new person. It's it's somebody they already know that is changing as far as the kids are concerned. And second thing is you know the the eleven year old is a little bit older. I don't think you're going to have nearly as much of an issue with the five year
2: old. Yeah, and. Actually, with our son, we had a situation, not a grandfather figure, but a friend who he met as a he, who transitioned to a, a she. And honestly, our son had a easier time recognizing her as her than we did. While
0: uh, remembering. 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 Yes. Uh,
2: remembering being the word that I meant, but... Uh, He was able to catch on and start using that terminology, and it was really not that difficult of a conversation. And really, I think that's the conversation that you're going to want to have with the older child. The older child, you're going to have to address that with her and say, look, granddad now wants to be a woman, feels as though he is a woman on the inside, and this is what your grandfather would prefer as far as pronouns and things like that. And I know that might seem like an awkward conversation, but for children, even 11 years old, that is something that is not gonna be super hard to overcome. It's something that is gonna be easy for them to say, okay, well, that's what they like, that's what makes them happy, fine. Because that's really for kids how they judge things is whether or not things make people happy or not happy.
0: So, and I think that a lot of the way that the other adults in the house and the other adults that they're around, as far as family members, how they are going to uh, treat your father is going to bear a lot on how the children are going to take it. If the adults are taking it as it's no big deal, it's fine. You know, this is how she prefers to be called now, blah, 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 blah. I think the kids are going to react to it fine. I think where you may run into some more problems is if there are some family members especially who they interact with on a regular basis, who have a very negative viewpoint towards the whole situation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because then that's going to impact how they view the situation. And something that might be helpful for both the older child and the younger child, because the younger child, you're really not going to need to have a conversation. It's just going to be something that's going to evolve as far as that person as they're going through their transition is to not necessarily have granddad show up completely in in you know the most feminine form the first time but to have a little bit more of a gradual state you know a little less bright makeup or go from more feminine clothes and less dresses and things like that and have it be a little bit more of a slower
0: gradual transition, transition
2: than something that's just like grandpa usually comes over in a uh, plaid shirt and jeans and now he's over in our home, in a dress and bright pink lipstick. Anything else as far as that? I think just being honest uh, and be willing to answer your kids' questions. Don't have it be just a conversation that you tell them what is what, but invite them to have questions and be willing to answer those questions honestly. So that way it's not something where... They're feeling like this is all happening and they don't have any ability to have any questions or feelings about it.
0: And the last thing I I might add is, you know, just to maybe talk to your father and make sure that you have a really solid grasp on things like, you know, the pronouns she's going to prefer to use, how she may be coming around, that kind of thing. Just so you have an understanding that you can uh, impart accurately to the children when you're talking to them. And again, I don't think with the the five-year-old, it's necessarily so much of a discussion, but more with the 11-year-old.
2: Yeah, because depending on your grand their their grandfather at this point, uh, she might want to be referred to as grandma or something else and just having conversations around that. So there's a consistency I think is good, too.
0: All right. Our next question is from Ben. Ben is 36 and lives in North Carolina. My girlfriend bleeds whenever we have sex. Should I be concerned? Is this a sign of an STD? Is my dick too big for her? Is there something either of us can do to get it to stop? It's grossing me out. So I think there's kind of two parts to this. Number one is what might be going on, and number two is what to do about it.
2: So I guess for starters, the idea of your girlfriend bleeding being gross, I think, is a really bad way of going about it. That can be very, very hurtful to women because there's a lot of reasons we bleed. Me in particular, I tend to bleed a lot because I have a tilted uterus. It has nothing to do with an STI or anything else. It is just the fact that I have weird uterus issues. So it can be a variety of things. And to say it's gross, I really hope that this is something that you are addressing with us with this terminology and not your girlfriend. Because if it is something that isn't fixable or is very difficult to fix.
0: Or is just something that happens naturally at different points for women, which is...
2: Yeah, which can happen that can be a very sensitive topic that can end up really hurting your girlfriend. So I encourage you to not use the word gross.
0: And also it, it's going to limit you from having sex plenty of times that it's okay to have <laughs> sex too. That's I'll throw true. that throw that in there too just from a uh,
2: you can have sex with girls on their period. Yeah. But beyond that, some of the things that could be going on and I'm, you know, not an OBGYN, but I have Experience with my own vagina and other vaginas. It could be lots of things. It could be where your girl is uh, at during her cycle. Some girls do bleed when they are ovulating or getting close to their period. It could be various things. Could it be an STI? Yes, you can sometimes have bleeding with STIs. That is not typically a symptom that shows up on itself as an STI. If you have an STI, there's other things that are going on usually before bleeding. So if there's nothing else going on there, then most likely not. All that being said, I recommend that she talk to an OB. That's who's going to be able to tell her what's going on, what's causing it, and how to address it.
0: So I think there's just some general, like, non-OB, not necessarily medical condition, things that you can do as well, right? Like, uh, your girlfriend's not getting enough foreplay, and you're going right for penetration. That can be causing or contributing to tears and bleeding,
2: Yeah, especially if she's not getting wet enough. And if it's, if you are doing the foreplay and putting in the time, maybe use lubrication.
0: So, those are certain things you can try, especially if there's not, you know, pain going on with the bleeding. But it definitely, she needs to go, she needs to talk to an OB, and you need to see, you know, be guided by the doctor and see what you can do, because there's a lot of things that can be done depending on what exactly is causing it. But again, you know, it's entirely possible that she might just, there might be nothing medically wrong. She might just be more prone to bleeding. And then you got to ask yourself uh, if it's not hurting her and she doesn't care, how much are you going to let it affect
2: sex? Exactly. And to answer this one point of your question of, is my dick too big for her? The answer is that's probably not what's causing bleeding. I can fist chicks and not make them bleed if it is a size.
0: (laughs) Your dick is not bigger than a fist.
2: Yeah. Um, If it is a sizing issue, typically when people think of size issues, it's really a lubrication issue. Or a
0: warm-up issue. Yeah. But yeah, I know it's not that your dick is too big. It's either (laughs) lack of lubrication, lack of warm-up, or there's something else going on.
2: All right. So we have Alina from PA. And she says, condoms are for protecting against STIs with guys. But what do you do if you are eating out or being eaten out by a female?
0: Well, uh, th- there's a couple solutions. The ideal solution is going to be dental dams.
2: That's the easiest and most ideal. Sometimes it's a little more difficult than any place you can get condoms. condom. A lot of drugstores and things like that don't necessarily carry them. Going to health facilities such as like clinics or your doctor, it's easy to obtain them. They're not super, super attainable at like uh, a CVS or something like that, but they are around and you can find them. If you can't find them or you're in a pinch, there's a couple other things you can do. You can always take a condom. And what you do is you snip off the end and you slice it down the center and it makes a square. And then you have a dental dam. So you can do that.
0: If you're going to do that, you probably want to use an unlubricated condom to do that with. Or that's just going to taste nasty.
2: <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. I'm certainly one that does not have a uh, spermicide on it. So, uh, But you can use a condom. Uh, you can use Saran Wrap. You need to make sure that it is not microwavable safe Saran Wrap because that has small holes in it. It's porous, really? It's porous. So you do not want to use the microwavable safe saran wrap because, well, it's got holes and holes and condoms are not a good thing. So you can use saran wrap, but you need to make sure that it is not microwavable safe. Not.
0: All right. Our next question is from Jake, age 24 in Maryland. How can I stop getting friend zoned? What is, I mean, first question is, what do you mean by getting friend zoned? So I've got friends who I sleep with, right? Which I wouldn't necessarily consider a friend zone. I, I always think that this line, it's funny because we actually just had this conversation with our, our son recently because he's just getting to the stage now where he's dating and he has his first girlfriend or girl, you know, first first girl that he is going on dates with and she doesn't want to say that they're girlfriend and boyfriend. So she is saying that they are friends, And, you know, I asked him the other day, I was like, if she's saying you're friends, but you guys are going to the movies and then going to dinner and holding hands and she's going to the dance with you, do you really care what she's calling it? So I think the first question is, what do you mean by getting friend zone? If you mean that you have people who are saying that they're your friends, but otherwise you're getting what you're looking for out of it, yeah, that's something that you need to consider.
2: And I sort of have this whole thing with the idea of friend zone being a vanilla term, because as kingsters, and I know that Jake sent this to me via FetLife, we have friends that we have sex with. We have friends that we play with. So this idea of being We may friends, have
0: romantic partners who are somewhat asexual.
2: Yeah. So this idea of friend zone really is a, a vanilla term. And a lot of times in the vanilla world, how it's used is typically two ways. And one, it means I can't get the girl to commit to a relationship to me. But even more so than that, it means I can't get the girl to fuck me and I'm being friend zoned. And the whole thing about this is the only way you can get yourself out of that friend zone, quote unquote, or getting yourself really to the place that you want to be with a particular person is to let that person know. Uh, Let them know what your feelings are, what you would like to have happen with your relationship with them. So that way... They know, rather than just hoping that it's going to develop.
0: And either it'll be something that they're interested in and open for, or it won't. And you know that you're wasting your time trying to get somebody to bring a relationship. And I think that's the main problem with this, right? Is this idea that you're with somebody for a specific type of relationship. And if you're not getting to that type of relationship, it's not worthwhile to do. And you're going to work to actively try and change the type of relationship, right? You're going to get stuck in this friend zone and you're going to work to get unstuck and get them to be romantic with you or get them to sleep with you or, or these things that the relationship aren't that the end of the day, if that's not a type of relationship that they're interested in with you, best thing you could do is go find somebody who's interested in the same thing you are with you.
2: Yeah. Either accept what the relationship that they're offering you is, or don't have that relationship. But this idea that you are being friend zoned is sort of you friend zone yourself. You put yourself in that situation and, What I mean by that is you have a choice. You have a choice to let the partner know and them to let you know what they want to do or to hang out and hope that you're eventually going to be able to change them.
0: Do you think that this problem of not actually being able, like being able to make friends, but not actually being able to find any romantic partners, is that actually a thing though? And is there specific things that people can do about that? Like you're able to find friends, but you're not able to find sexual partners or romantic partners or those sort of things.
2: I think that is a problem, but I don't think that's this whole friend zone mythology.
0: What do you think is the differences between what I just said and friend zone?
2: I think with friend zone, it's this idea that you are finding people that you could fuck or could date.
0: But they just won't do
2: it. And they won't do it because you've got to overcome that friend zone. What really the problem is, is you're not finding the kind of people that are attracted to you for those kind of relationships. You're spending your time pursuing people who are not interested in having those kind of relationships with you. And it's a different mindset of I'm going to look for the type of people who are interested in me for what I'm looking for versus I found someone I'm interested in and I'm going to change their perspective on me.
0: I think that's, I think that's good on that topic. Listen, I'm going to do a shameless plug here because, well, no, because we, I mean, we can't spend the whole episode on this question, but uh, Cassie does do dating coaching. I mean, if you're really looking for a romantic partner, I'm not just talking to Jake, I'm talking to whoever might be listening. If you're really looking for a romantic partner and you're really just having trouble finding that, even when you're honest, no matter what you do, you're not able to find those types of people who are attracted to you for those types of relationships— go to touchoflavor.com. It's in the menu bar. There's there's a link for dating coaching. Go there. You can set up a free consult with Cassie, talk through, see if this is something that she might be able to help you with.
2: All right. So next question is from Jan from Oklahoma. My husband and I recently got married. About a week later, he told me that he didn't like having sex with me because my vagina is uncomfortable to him. He doesn't want to have sex with me. What can I do to make it better?
0: First of all, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say that this would have been a, a very good topic, I think, as a general rule, to be brought up if there's a serious sexual compatibility problem before marriage. But I am making the assumption that they were having sex before marriage, which may not be the case. So I actually should not go down that route. That may not be fair. I will say, as a general rule, uh, if there are, if you are having sex before getting married, which I think is generally a good idea to try and find out if there are some sexual compatibility issues, because sexual compatibility is important. Uh, and there are serious issues like this. Bringing it up before you get married would be a good practice. So the next thing that I'm going to say to this question is you really need to ask him what he means by your vagina being uncomfortable. And I offhand, without you asking that question specifically, can't think of any answer to that other than like, dry. Like, I can't think of a vagina I've found that has been uncomfortable short of dryness.
2: Um, That's usually one of the bigger issues. When someone says that sex is uncomfortable and there isn't anything like they have some sort of issue going on. So I would say have him get checked out, make sure there isn't anything going on with him.
0: Yeah, especially if this is, you haven't had sex before. I mean, depending on his level of sexual experience, if he has not comfortably had sex with other partners before, that could... Yeah, could signal a medical issue for him.
2: Yeah, so I would have him check that out. And I would also say, use lubrication. Ask him what he means by uncomfortable. Occasionally there is where a vagina is very tight on the outside and that can be uncomfortable for uh, a penis haver. So doing things like masturbating before having sex can help loosen up those muscles a little bit. So if it's something like that, But I think pinpointing exactly what uncomfortable means is going to give you a lot of answers.
0: Yeah, I think that between asking him and and getting any kind of medical issues resolved and using lubrication, short of some really just odd fit in anatomy that is possible but doesn't happen very often, I think that you will be able— to work through that. Now, I think that is assuming that this is actually a physical comfort issue and there's not something else going on. Uh, And, you know, maybe there's something else going on and he just doesn't want to have sex. And as men, we are pressured to be the ones who are always horny and who want sex all the time and who need to keep up with our female partners. So, I mean, that could be something as well. So you really need to sit down. You need to ask him what's uncomfortable. And if you've worked on that stuff, or it just isn't really making sense, or you've worked on that stuff and done everything and and still it's not getting resolved, maybe you can have a conversation about desire levels. What do you think?
2: That was actually something I was going to say is if you're getting to a point where he's been checked out by a doctor, you've tried lubrication, you've tried masturbating before sex and doing all those things, and there isn't something that's equaling up and there might be an emotional thing that's going on there, trying to address that with him, seeing if he'll talk about it. And maybe if all else fails, maybe talking to like a sex therapist.
0: All right. Do you want to read the next question from Joseph?
2: Sure. I read the last one, but uh, Joseph is from Victoria, Australia. My condom busted with my play partner. The last time we had sex, we did a hard face fucking scene and then had sex after. I didn't notice until after we had PIV that it had a hole in it. One of her hard limits is fluid bonding. I have been really scared to tell her because it was not on purpose. Have either either of you been in this situation where a condom has broke? How did you handle it?
0: Yes. <laughs> um so, well, I've been You want me to talk about mine cuz mine I think is the most recent. Yeah. And okay. So, I've had condoms break a couple times. Um Several times in situations where it's not really an issue, like with a primary, like I shouldn't even say primary, with a fluid bonded partner who we were using condoms for some kind of reason, usually like cleanliness, depending on where we were at, just ease of cleanup. But obviously that's not really in the same category. So did a scene this past camp uh, season at DO out here in Maryland, which is a big camp event. And we've we've talked about it, I think, in one of our previous episodes, but we did a really, like, hardcore takedown gang rape scene with, uh, with a girl. And as part of that, Cassie and I both face-fucked her at different points. And uh, during that situation, I had a condom break. I will tell you, just from her and from situations that I've had in the past, face-fucking, especially, like, a consensual non-consent kind of face-fucking scene is a really easy way to break a condom. You got teeth. They're struggling. It is a recipe for putting a hole in a condom. So, uh, condom broke. I noticed it. I swapped it out, kept the scene up, and you know, then we finished. Now, this situation, the actual condom breaking wasn't her limit. Uh, actually, I don't even think she was requiring a condom for me in that scene. It was actually mine with my partner's, right? I want to say I told her, but actually, at that point, when we were done, she was so wrecked. I actually told her partner. And asked him to to let her know when she kind of came, came to a little more. And then I followed up with her again later and told her, even though it wasn't a limit, just so that she was aware, you know, because she thought I was using economy, even though that wasn't required, that she was aware that that risk level was higher than what she thought. And then I told my other partners that they were aware of it as well. Uh, so not the exact same situation, right? Because yours is, it's her limit. But, you know, the thing is, this shit happens. Uh, it, it's part of that whole risk that we take when we do these activities. And you need to just tell her. I mean, she has a right to know what her risk level is, and you're not making it any better by waiting on it.
2: Yeah, which is exactly what I said when he sent this question in, was I said, we'll answer it on on air, but I'll tell you now, the best thing you can do right now is to tell her, and to tell her soon, so that way it's not something that you waited on. And the thing is, is that most partners are going to realize that there is a certain level of risk, especially when you're doing a heavier scene, that these things can happen.
0: So tell her, let her know. And you're saying you've been really scared to tell her because it wasn't on purpose, but that makes telling her better.
2: Yeah, it doesn't really change the the situation.
0: Right. So tell her. I mean, that, that's really the long and short of it. And then not at the same time, right? Because you don't ever want to have these really serious conversations at the same time that you're coming clean about something like this happening. But maybe later you need to have a little bit of follow up discussion about risk level and things like that, and what is acceptable, because these things do happen, uh, especially with these types of scenes. And if if you're not comfortable with that risk of a condom possibly breaking, or she's not comfortable, you know, either a you can can step back on the risk somewhat by not doing something like face fucking somebody. Or, or B, uh, you can just step, she could just step off that entirely. If she's not going to hold that risk, that kind of might break. Maybe she just doesn't do those activities, period.
2: Yeah. And after that, as far as anything else, um, if you have any other concerns, as far as, you know, if you guys weren't fluid bonded before, maybe having a conversation around that and making sure that she's still feeling good on that level.
0: Yeah. I'm going to add one more thing here too. If you have any other partners who you have like a fluid bonded agreement with, it really depends on how your agreements are set up, but you may very well have other partners who are supposed to be told either beforehand or notified if you become fluid bonded with somebody else. Just make sure that you do that as well. Our next question is from Jean, who is 38 years old from Texas. My husband and I had an agreement that we would use condoms when having PIV with our other partners. I started not using condoms with one of my ongoing partners over six months ago, and I am now pregnant. I had to tell my husband I wasn't using condoms because there is a good chance the baby isn't his. He is now saying that I cheated on him. It is my belief that you cannot cheat in poly. Cheating is just a term mono people use to control their partners. Cassie and Rigel. She got my name right. Cassie and Rigel, what do you two think? Oh, Jean. <laughs> well, let's start with the question to you, Cassie. Do you believe that there's cheating in poly? Because I know you're very opinionated on this. Yes,
2: I absolutely do think that there is cheating in poly. And... The reason why I say this is if you look up the Webster dictionary version of what cheating is, it is to be deceitful or to hide things in order to gain something over someone else. That is actually the definition of cheating. So if you think of it beyond the idea of I'm cheating on a game or I'm going completely against something, if you're hiding something or being deceitful in order to gain something, you're cheating, right? So I believe that, yes, you can cheat in poly. You can also cheat if you're breaking boundaries and rules. That's what cheating is. Cheating is going against sort of the agreements that you've made in relationships.
0: So the indirect question here from her is whether or not she cheated on her partner. I mean, that's that's basically what the question is here. I know we have slightly separate answers on this. So do you want to answer first and then I'll answer?
2: I would say yes. I would say that this is definitely falling into that category of being deceitful And by the way that you sent in the question, it was apparent that you weren't planning on telling your partner. And the only reason why you did was because you got pregnant. So it wasn't even a mishap. It was a conscious choice to be deceitful about something that you made an agreement on.
0: So my answer is, is that I think that this really depends on exactly how you're defining the word cheating. But I also think at that point, you're arguing semantics and who fucking cares? I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, regardless of whether you want to call it cheating or not cheating, I mean, this was very clearly a serious ethical breach of your agreements. That's going to have very serious consequences. So I don't think that whether or not you want to call it cheating is is really the point here. Uh, and certainly I don't think that you're at a place where you should be arguing with your partner about whether or not what you did was cheating. I think that really right now is the least of the issues that are going on. The issue with this kind of thing in general, beyond now the factor that there is a baby involved, that there's going to be a whole, whole set of things to deal with regarding that. You know, the biggest problem that I have with this kind of breaking of agreements, whether you want to call it cheating, you don't want to call it cheating, is trust is one of those things. What, what, What did I see the other day? It takes uh uh Oh, the thing uh, I called it. Yeah, what was that?
2: Yes, uh trust takes time to build, only seconds to destroy and almost forever to repair.
0: Yeah, you you know, it, it it's just almost impossible to rebuild that kind of trust once you lose it. So whether you want to call it cheating or not, I honestly don't think is really the point. I think that this is a situation that if you have any interest in staying with your partner, you need to acknowledge that there were some very serious breaches of your agreements here. And you need to see if there's anything you can do to repair that.
2: Yeah. And I think this is one of those cases where you might not want to hear from your partner, him saying that you cheated or calling you a cheater, but just suck it up. Yeah. This is one of those points where your partner is going through something and, and, probably needs validation from you and an apology where it's going to help them process it a little bit easier than you arguing over semantics. I'm going to leave it there. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think that was the answer that Gene was really looking for, (laughs) but we're going to, if you send in your questions, we're going to be honest with you about what we think. All right. So we have a question from Tony 33, Virginia. So I really want to know how I can make myself last longer in bed. I am 33 and still like a teen boy. I can't fuck for longer than 10 minutes without coming. It fucking sucks.
0: I love the level of honesty that we get in this. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. I love the level of honesty. That's one thing I love about this medium of podcasts. is a level of honesty that we get in, in these questions that we can actually answer and help people out. So Tony, no problem. Cool. It's an acquired skill. It's, sex is an acquired skill like everything else. Good news is, is that there are some very specific not incredibly difficult uh, things that you can you can start working on immediately to make it work. So, number 1, you know, the main advice that you're going to hear is you can work on edging, which is you do it by yourself at first at least, not with a partner, and you're going to masturbate slowly and you're going to work on Getting up to the point right before you orgasm and stopping. And a a big part of that is just learning to recognize when your body is getting to that point of no return. And it's something that you might fail at the first couple of times that you do it, but you want to work on that. So you masturbate, you try and get to the point of almost coming successfully without coming, and then stop. And you do that maybe four or five times in a session. And you can do that every day for a while until you are comfortable with the length of time that you're able to do things. Once you're getting really good at that, I have seen a lot of people recommend the Fleshlight Stamina Training Units as like the next step of practicing this with yourself before actually moving on to trying it with a partner. I have never personally used the Stamina Training Units, um, but I have heard fantastic things regarding using them for this type of thing. So after you're able to do it yourself, uh, you know, with your hand and masturbate that way, and, and you're successful with that, you know, then you can go ahead and do the same kind of thing with one of those Stamina Training Units, and that's going to be a lot more intense- and it's going to be maybe closer to actually having sex with a partner than than using your hand. So you do that. And it's important to do those things yourself and not with a partner. A, because a partner is only going to get you more excited. And B, it's a lot harder to talk somebody else into backing you off appropriately than it is for you to do yourself. So do those two things yourself. Once you do those two things, then you can move on to actually having sex with a partner. And if you're just coming out of doing stuff with yourself, a good thing you can do is to try wearing a couple of condoms. I'm not saying just for protection, like more than one condom, like maybe two. No, just to desensitize yourself. You're giving me a phase just to desensitize yourself until you are then able to do it successfully with a person and still last a decent amount of time. And then after that, you can actually move on to just having sex without condoms or, or with one condom, depending on what your setup is with the person and really working on when to back yourself off, which hopefully by that whole point, you're getting pretty good at. it. when you need to back off, you can. And one more thing I'll add cuz Cassie's just dying to jump in over here is that two things that are always going to affect that no matter how good that you get at it is one when the last time that you got off is so if you're about to have sex with somebody uh, I mean maybe not I mean not immediately before but you know you're going to have sex with somebody like that evening maybe masturbating that morning if you haven't had sex in a while second thing is foreplay how much foreplay you have you know before you go straight balls deep is going to make a significant amount of difference into how long you can last as well.
2: So one, as far as condoms, using a couple of condoms, I want to make this very known. If you're using more than one condom, there is a lot of risk with them breaking and failing. So if you're using more than one condom, keep that in mind, especially if it's with a partner that you're not fluid bonded with. I felt as a sex educator, I really needed to put that out there because that is important to know. Um, they are much more likely to break and have failure if you're having more than one condom. So don't do that with somebody that you're not planning on being fluid bonded with. I had to say that. That was really it. Oh, good. Okay. That's why you just I froze. looked like you
0: were dying.
2: Because the, the sex educator in me was like, you have to mention. I knew you'd get it in there. I just wanted to make
0: sure <laughs> that I was able to keep things. That was a sequential series of steps. And I wanted to make sure that I was able to keep them in that series of steps. In all seriousness, you have anything else to add to that?
2: So what I was saying was, is even you who is really good at being able to last very long in in the bedroom, there are times that, you know, when you haven't had sex, things like that for a while, that it's much easier to get off. And part of it is just learning when you're getting to that point and you need to kind of take a break during, even during sex, like of, I need to slow down. Like, I know there's times when we're having sex and you'll just look at me and you'll be like, whoa, for a second just step and recognizing that feeling can really be helpful.
0: Yeah. And as a guy, and that's something that that's why I was talking about foreplay, right? That's something that the longer you've been having sex that session, the less you're going to need to back off and slow down. But yeah, and I completely agree with you, but I just, you know, that's after everything that's really Mm -hmm. like after everything else. Then that's something that you want to, you definitely want to pay attention to sometimes. Yeah. You're just going to have to back off. All right, so thank you everybody for joining us today. We wanted to throw one more thing in here. So we know we've got people all over the place, as as is evidenced by these uh, questions today, like Australia and Oklahoma and everything else. But we also do have a lot of people from the the DMV area, the Maryland Virginia DC Metro. That's where we're based. That's our home, and we do get a lot of questions from people about. When are we going to do our next live event? Because we only do them occasionally. So we would love to tell you guys about our next live event.
2: Yeah, we're having a New Year's Eve party uh, down at the Baltimore Playhouse. It's in Baltimore. And it is called Panic at the Playhouse. We are doing a scary-themed New Year's Eve event. We have a bunch of things planned from demos with like hook suspensions and and things like that to costume contests and all kinds of stuff.
0: Yep. And if you're not familiar with the Baltimore Playhouse, it's an amazing venue. It's huge. It's got tons of awesome furniture. It's sex positive. It's going to be a really good time. So if that's something you're interested in, hop on over to the show notes. We will put a link there and you can hop on over and you can get your tickets and you can sign up and uh, Cassie will be very happy to see you there. I'm saying that because I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be there. I might be working, but,
2: but Cassie <laughs> But I will be there. Cassie
0: will be very happy to see you there. And I will be very happy to know that you are there having a good time. So great talking to you guys. Send in your questions at touchoflavor.com forward slash ask. We love to hear them. And we hope that you can make New Year's.
1: Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1.